0: Welcome to the Live Love Ministries podcast, a place where we share thoughts, insights, and experiences from the mission field. I'm Eric.
1: I'm Brittany. And I'm Julia.
0: And we're the Live Love Ministries team. All right, welcome back to the Live Love Ministries podcast. Hope you've been enjoying the content that we've been putting out there. You've gotten to know us a little better now. Um, a little bit about our ministry, Brittany and myself, and as well as Julia. And uh, we're going to go on today and, and kind of get past the introduction stuff and talk uh, talk missions, talk family, talk uh, culture, church, calling, all that good stuff. And uh, I'm by myself today hosting. The, the girls are not here, uh, actually, because I am in Prescott, Arizona, about two and a half or three hours from where we live. I've got my good friend here with me, Nick Calhoun. Mm. He's here serving with us this week. Uh, one of the unique things about this week is uh, every year, well, this is the week every year, that we host a youth camp. And so our ministry is involved in multiple villages on the TO Nation, as many of our listeners know. And we also have a, a refugee ministry as well that we work with in Phoenix. And so every year, once a year, we host a youth camp where we bring kids from different communities uh, on the reservation, refugee students, students who came uh in different ways to the United States. Um, And we bring them together for a youth camp. And it's super cool. This is the, I don't know, fourth or fifth year that we've done it. Um, And it's a really, really neat thing to see the two worlds of two cultures. Now it's three or four cultures and worlds because we have students from, not just uh, refugee students, not just students from uh, the native communities. We have students from Phoenix, students from other reservations that we don't normally work on, or at least that's where their families are from. Uh, We have students who were born here in America. Um, and so we have a unique blend it's one of the most unique things one of my favorite weeks of the year and for the last several years Nick has come along to serve uh, as our camp pastor for the week um, he gets to, to teach and preach to the students uh, spend time with them uh, and we're gonna talk to him a little bit about that in a minute um, Nick and I've known each other for a long time uh, he's a good friend of mine good partner to the ministry and we're gonna talk just missions and family with him and just kind of go from there. So I'm just going to jump right in, Nick. Let's
1: do it. Let's be all awesome. All right.
0: All right. We're just going to have a conversation. And so just talk to me a little bit um, uh, li- little bit about your heart for missions. I know you. I know you well. I know your heart. Um, we don't ever have much of a conversation without it turning toward missions and how we're serving uh, other people, other cultures. So tell me a little bit about your heart for missions, your heart for the nations, and kind of how that developed.
1: Yeah. So... I think the way it actually developed, um, ironically, is is in Arizona. So I came to uh, Arizona um, in 2012, and uh, I just I was a new believer, came to Christ in 2011, uh, started serving at Hardin Baptist Church uh, as an intern, uh, got plugged into that local body there, and then I was in college at the time, and got asked to come to Arizona uh, to uh, come serve on the reservation. I had never really had any type of um, Mission experience, never been really outside of um, Kentucky for anything like that. Obviously, I'd traveled, but never been on a, a mission trip per se. Uh, and so, God used that first um, trip for me back in 2012 to uh, just open up my eyes to the world around me in a way that I had not seen. Um, you know, I came to a place in our um, United States that, to be frank, had seemed to be totally forgotten about. You know, I was on a A reservation that I had never known about I never learned about um, but I got to meet some of the most amazing people uh, in the entire world Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just remember being in a a village uh, on the TO reservation Um, I was sitting there and just looking around and just wondering like how does no one know about this and uh, that was really the moment uh, as of sitting in that village I think God used to just shape my heart for uh, the nations for for places and people that um, Often are either unforgotten or forgotten about, um, or just people are not too keen on going to. And uh, I think it's it's easy to remain comfortable in where we're at and, and the context in which we live, but to think through going to places that are not your home and to serving amongst people that are not, um, you know, that you're used to or maybe speak a different language, have a totally different culture than you, uh, can be intimidating. And so God just used that uh, that first trip to Arizona. Uh, to just shape my view of of people and of culture and just how beautiful it is and uh, and since then you know I've been able to um, come to Arizona, gosh, probably twenty times maybe. I don't know. It's been a lot. I feel like I'm here. Some
0: people think he lives here. I know. They see him so often. I know. Years. I think
1: it's somebody asked, and I really do think it's almost averaged out to like three times a year. That's uh, really cool. Which is awesome. Yeah. And so I mean, my son is here with me on this trip, and as we flew in, like it's just. It's kind of like second nature I get on the, the I get the car from Sky Harbor and uh, I mean I knew exactly where to go I don't have a GPS I'm taking Brooks to all my favorite places and so in some sense like just the constant um, connection here in Arizona it feels like a, a second ministry home yeah. for sure but then it's led me to you know Malawi and Brazil and Nicaragua and, uh, and even um, some urban context in the states as well yeah. and so uh, it's just been really really cool to see what God, um, is doing in my family's life just from an initial trip here in Arizona and the way that we're getting to serve really all around the world. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: So over the last couple of episodes prior to this one, Brittany and I shared our story, Julia shared her story, and both of our stories began with a trip. Mm-hmm. Like we were, were uh, just going on a mission trip, you know, like we yeah. we thought, just kind of like you did. And it's unique and it's really awesome how God takes one trip you know you think I'm just gonna go serve or maybe I don't even know what I'm going to do and God uses that as a transformative time in your life in your ministry and even in your family and one trip of stepping out going to serve people in another culture people you don't know uh, different environment being stretched that way um, it, it changes us, and then it and then it molds us, and has the potential to shape our future. and And I think you see that in your life as well, mm-hmm. how it's done. Because it. you mentioned, you know, Malawi, Nicaragua, Brazil, like those came after your first initial trip. And I think that's amazing, because you see the heart of God in, in that, right? Like God has a heart for the nations. God has a heart for the people. Uh, we see it throughout Scripture um, about how we're called to go and make disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. And we can only do that if we get around other nations, right? Yeah. And so when we do that, it leads us and it opens the doors. Um, and, and your time in Arizona, I've been able to watch you grow, too, from the very beginning. Um, we, uh, Harden Baptist Church, if you guys don't know, is our home church. It's our, our church where Brittany and I came from um, and when we were younger and before we went into ministry and as we went into ministry, and then we were commissioned to, to come to the mission field from there. Mm. And, and so they bring a college group every year, and that's what Nick was talking about. He came with that college group that first time, and it's so cool. I remember some of the stories of the first time, and some of them we can't share publicly. <laughs> um, but uh, just seeing Nick grow, um, coming as more of like a college student, sort of the young, exuberant, um, I'll do whatever it takes, and he still is, but seeing how that's grown and matured into a, a calling for his entire life and not just his life but he's been now married with children and and it's it's shaped his, his his relationship with him and his wife and his children as well so that's really awesome but nick also serves as a youth pastor he's a student pastor at harden and so that's his role now which is really neat you got to kind of grow up in in the first church that you were a part of when mm-hmm. you became a believer and serve there and so nick has since brought back student groups here now they're not here with him this week but usually every summer Um, He brings one, sometimes two student Mm -hmm. groups and has both worked with our native students, our native adults, our native children, but also our refugee students. Mm -hmm. And so tell me, tell us a little bit about kind of how uh, the mission field has impacted your student ministry. You've been in student ministry a long time. Like you said, you served as an intern and then you came on uh, as like that was your job and then now you are the student pastor, the lead student pastor Mm -hmm. with other people who work for you. And so tell me how missions uh, has,
1: has shaped your student ministry, the way you lead it, uh, and in the lives of your students as well. I think in some sense, I mean, and maybe it may seem too broad, but I feel like it's shaped everything um, about our student ministry. Um, and not that our student ministry wasn't um, missionally minded before, uh, because I think Hardin is, is by far one of the most generous uh, mission-minded churches I've ever seen. Uh, so be able to walk into that church and uh, assume a role um to where i was going to have leadership and influence um, over the next generation um was was amazing and uh and so and you know with our our church um you know we they heavily invest in our students uh, and so i knew there was going to be a lot of freedom for me to um, take students places and get to allow them to experience other contexts other cultures uh, to hopefully birth within them uh, those same desires to, to go to the nations. Um, and whether that's they move or they just see what God's doing. And, and as they get a job and a career, uh, they begin to give, uh, you know, generously to, um, you know, mission agencies, to the local church, to make sure that the mission of God is being fulfilled to the far reaches of the world. Uh, but I mean, we make strategic decisions with our students, to get them in a multitude of context. Uh, and this was actually a little bit of a format that was set up before me, uh, but we have a um, kind of a vision that, you know, our younger students will go through a camp. Um, mm-hmm. we, we partner with Crossings Ministries, and so uh, our sixth through eighth graders go to Crossings, and uh, by freshman year, we transition them to think Um, outreach. We transitioned and began thinking, how can I take the things that I've been learning uh, in these foundational years and be applying them uh, on the mission field? And so uh, whether that's we stay in our local community and we do something called Monday Missions, Uh, we're doing Wednesday outreaches, which this summer's obviously been a little different uh, but typically we're doing a ton of outreach events in our local communities, whether that's Callaway County, Marshall County, or in the, uh, the city of Hardin, which is where our church is located, uh, and, and thinking through how can we impact the people right where we're at. But then not just our neighbors, but how do we get to the nations? Mm-hmm. And so we are strategic that from freshman year through senior year, we want our students to experience a, uh, an inner city or an urban mission trip Uh, We want them to see a cross-cultural mission trip, which is what we would classify coming to Arizona. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we'd also love for them to uh, experience an international mission trip. Uh, And the hope behind that is that they would, as they graduate, move into college, move into the workforce, they've been able to see ministry in a multitude of contexts. Mm -hmm. And that if God calls them to Chicago, they can see what it looks like to use their degree to partner with a local church or to partner with a church plant Uh, To build God's kingdom Mm -hmm. or maybe they move feel called to go to a cross-cultural environment move to Arizona move to some of these areas uh, And minister in a culture. That's not their own. They know what it looks like Mm -hmm. They know what it's going to be like Uh, and then also getting to see an international context of what it looks like to You know to go into Nicaragua to a place. You don't know the language. You don't know how to navigate You don't know anything like that. We like them to feel uncomfortable Uh, but because we know Like you said, like I said, um, you know, it oftentimes starts with a mission trip. Um, And we say this a lot, and I know you guys say this with your teams, but more than likely, a week long effort isn't going to be life-changing to the people that we're ministering to but it oftentimes is more life-changing for the team that's coming Mm -hmm. Uh, and I see that with our students just the way they get here they're excited Um, you know it's hard to do kind of drop in the bucket ministry where we would just come in do a week BBS, and expect that everything's going to change for uh, the village or the place that we're serving at but usually God takes that trip and changes the hearts of these students to see a people they've never met before a place they've never been Uh, and then their world is totally different moving forward. That's awesome.
0: And and one of the unique things, I think, too, that you see is like you've been in in youth ministry long enough that some of your students have graduated now. Mm -hmm. Like you've been in long enough to see them come kind of through the youth ministry and then finish and then see some of those still serving Mm -hmm. uh, in missions. I know you have some students that you've worked with that are are going to the international mission field. You actually have some of your former students here with us (laughs) this week serving. And so it's like we can't get rid of you guys. No. Yeah, I know, I know. But it is really neat to see how it, it, it's foundational mm-hmm. um, because I mean, without missions, you really don't have Christianity. You don't have, you know, God's word is built upon mission. His mission to redeem us and then our mission to go out and tell the world mm-hmm. what he has done through Jesus. Yeah. And it's awesome. And yeah. so I really appreciate your thoughts on that. I know it's impacted your family too. Mm-hmm. Um, when you first came when you first started getting involved in missions early on in your faith you were single um, obviously no children um, and then kind of in the at the same time as you were developing a heart for missions you were developing a heart for your wife Mm -hmm. and um, you were on a mission for her and you got a good one yes and uh, and I think it's really neat to see uh, speak to that a little bit how it shaped you and Nick's wife's Bethany the the way that it shaped your and Bethany's relationship and then the way you parent your children obviously Mm -hmm. I know it has because Brooks is here with you your son his son and my son are playing this week. Uh, and so his son, even at, at, at the young age, is on the mission field. So talk to that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So this one might be a, a lengthier answer. But, yeah, so um, that first tri- trip back in 2012, um, I actually proposed the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I already had the engagement ring, thought about doing it here in Arizona, didn't oh, know how wow. the week was going to go. So I that's, just kinda, that's new. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah so, yeah, so we got You engaged. should have. That would have been, I, our, it been awesome. Yeah. So I got engaged that next week. And um, so I knew on that trip, you know, that I was pursuing Bethany for mm-hmm. the purpose of marriage. I did not know that God was pursuing me for the purpose of the mission field. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as, you know, we go through that engagement process, I'm wrestling with you know What I now know um, about another culture um, and what I now feel to be a burden for me specifically to, to work uh, amongst people, groups that are not my own,
0: right.
1: whether that be in a full-time setting, short-term setting, uh, or helping to send and equip, whatever that looks like, I knew there was a burden on my life, uh, and so I began to express that to Bethany at the time and uh and i mean she shared in that she had served um, on mission trips as well uh, she had been to uh, arizona i think she came with me that that in mm-hmm. 2012 yeah she did so she was here with me that year she had been in nicaragua multiple times she had served uh, in the student ministry when she was growing up um, just going on various trips and so there was a shared desire on her end uh, but as we had to continue having conversations um, you know, I began to express to her I that I felt God calling me specifically to the mission field. Um, and we had some, um, you know, early on, probably a year or two in, uh, there were some, some difficult conversations because at the moment, um, it didn't appear that she shared in the calling to necessarily go herself. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there was a little bit of a frustration on my end, and I began to uh, pursue the IMB option. Uh, really without her blessing. And uh, I got uh, really far into the application. We began having um, interview processes with some of our our local IMB reps, uh, and God just completely shut it down. Mm -hmm. And it showed a lot of my pride, a lot of my arrogance, uh, and a lot of my uh, unwillingness to listen to my wife, who is now my partner in ministry, um, to hear some of her concerns uh, as to what you know, she was thinking for our family at the current moment. And so I remember we were in a conversation with one of the IMB reps, and he asked Bethany, he said, what is your call? Like, why do you feel called to the mission field? And I just remember in that conversation she just began to weep. And uh, I think we were actually at Southern Seminary. I was there for a class while I was taking my master's. We were sitting in some, you know, probably Dr. Moeller's um, office somewhere, No, we weren't in Doctor Moore's office. I was like, Uh, "Wow, that's really no." We were in some random conference room, and uh, I remember, you know, the guy on the phone really felt awkward, so he kind of sensed I'm gonna go ahead and get off. And then afterwards, um, you know, me and Bethany just talked, and it was a lot of apologizing, and a lot of our conversation um, pointed to that it wasn't necessarily she wasn't called, that just the timing wasn't Mm -hmm. right, and I was rushing something to get to a place that was more about me than it was about the mission of God. And so God really shut the door, but that burden to go was still there. And over the last you know, seven years or so of our marriage, um, we now see that there is a calling on our life to, uh, to serve uh, on the mission field, whether that's cross-culturally, internationally, uh, or even just in our local community. And we've had some other um, opportunities as well. Um, and it's been a really big learning journey. We really don't know exactly what God has for our life. Uh, we were supposed to be overseas, uh, we were supposed to be in sub-Saharan Africa right now as we speak. And we did a vision trip about two years ago, and on that vision trip, um, God just completely shut the door. And, and it, in that trip revealed there's still some, some immaturities and some growth that we needed to, to have before we were going to be on the field. Uh, and it was a sobering moment, it was a humbling moment because, you know, once again, I was gung-ho, ready to go. Uh, But I began to see that there is wisdom in waiting in in the right time for the Lord, and I can be faithful where Mm -hmm. my feet are in Kentucky, that I want to go when my wife and I feel confident and that it's under the direction uh, and leadership of uh, the Holy Spirit uh, to the place that God's calling us to. Uh, And so in some sense, I'm very thankful that that opportunity uh, really looked to be a failure, you know, because... We didn't need to be there um and god didn't want us there at this time Um, and so we don't know what that looks like but we do know that for our family um, we're about to have our fourth child in august that we're still a very 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 young family Um, but we still are trying to be very instrumental in uh, raising our children in such a way where, um, you know, we want them to be aware of other cultures. Uh, I remember we had, um, Hispanic week in our house, uh, not long ago <laughs> awesome. where all we cooked, uh, was Hispanic food. And man, we were so tired. That about
0: uh, culture just so you could get lots of tacos?
1: Well, it was supposed to be that, but then we had more rice and beans yeah. than, um, we could imagine. So we actually bailed out by day five on it. <laughs> um, but you know, beginning to teach our children other, another language. Um, even teach our children um, proper wording mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, people groups, you know. And I know that oftentimes there can be some um, incorrect wording even on the reservation right, towards correct. the people group that live there. Mm-hmm. I remember we were uh, in Paducah, uh, Kentucky, and there was a mural of kind of the progression of that town, and there were Native Americans in that picture, mm-hmm. and my son called them kind of a derogatory name that was just seemed to be normal for uh, oftentimes what we learn in textbooks, mm-hmm. and it was awesome just um, educating him correctly on, no, these are Native Americans, and so even now as a five-year-old, um, for him to you know see people for who they are and not necessarily for maybe how we were educated or-
0: Or them. Yeah, them. or mm-hmm. taught
1: incorrectly on those mm-hmm. things, and so, Trying to be, um, you know, just thinking intentionally on, we want our kids to love all people. We want our kids to, you know, love other cultures. And, uh, you know, anytime I get to go, I bring something back and we get to talk about the place that I was at and what we got to learn. But ultimately, we we get to share with our children the why, Yeah, you know, and the why being that. The glory of God is at stake Mm -hmm. and we want the places that we go we don't want this just to be fun trips with cool pictures we want it to be that we preach the gospel um, and that the glory of God is being spread um, to all nations uh, to the far reaches of the world yeah that's cool Um,
0: I was sitting there listening to your story and and as you say you know we thought we were going to be here we thought we were going to be there Mm -hmm. and, and God closed the door on those things and one of the things I can speak to firsthand is is Um, I've watched Nick deal with with that, you know, like walk through that with his wife and with his family and and even publicly talking about that. One of the things I think that speaks to your heart the most is when those doors closed, you didn't throw up your hands and say, well, then we're just not going to do missions. If it's not going to be here, it's not going to be what I want. If it's not going to be the way I want to do it. And instead of Pushing your family into something that that God maybe wasn't leading you to, you step back and say, okay, God, what are you leading us Mm -hmm. to do? I want to lead my family, not push my family. I want to lead them and develop their heart. And and I think that's unique. I think that's really cool because a lot of people might just give up. You know, well, I didn't get to go where I wanted to go, or God maybe has a different desire for me, and and maybe there might be in some people's life an unwillingness to revisit that, Mm -hmm. to revisit the idea of what are we called to do or what does that look like? Because so many times we get the idea that if I'm called to the mission field that it absolutely means we have to go overseas mm-hmm. or it absolutely means we have to go to the darkest part of the world where no one else is and those are great places we need missionaries there but maybe God's unique call upon our life isn't exactly what it looks like for somebody else mm-hmm. and one of the, the, the neat ways I see just the mission of your heart being played out is it even in your business is that you mm-hmm. Nick is a young businessman um, and he opened a gym. Uh, like a, a fitness gym I don't want to miscall it anything you know it, it is a fitness gym you had a pretty bad job yeah
1: I'll, I'll advertise for myself for a yeah.
0: second but I don't mean it, it, but in the sense that your heart for other people mm-hmm. is lived out even in the business end of your life yeah. okay these are the yeah. things that we do these are things to help provide for my family but it is also uh, I, I want the underlying heart of who I am as a follower of Jesus the mission of the gospel to, to undergird what I'm doing, even in my everyday life, and so I think that's unique. And so, you can talk to that if, if yeah, you want.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Tribe Fitness. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Check us out. <laughs> you know, if you're interested in joining, he's got in. no
0: shame in advertising. No, no, not at all,
1: not at all. Entrepreneur. Um, but no, yeah, absolutely. So we opened up um, a fitness center, a functional fitness center, uh, back in January of this year, and. You know i'll kind of give a, a little spill that you know i share with people when they say like why did you open a gym mm. um i like fitness i don't necessarily love fitness and uh but i do love relationship building um and evangelizing sharing my faith and making disciples uh, and so i've always seen the gym to be one of the most natural ways uh to build relationships and share my faith mm. and uh It just seems to be, you know, uh, I've said this before, uh, but I always say it's the barbershop of white suburbia. I mean, that's the spot that, you know, when you have a gym membership, it's usually if you're going to the gym, you know, obviously you're going there to get healthy, but you're going there to decompress. You know, maybe you've got frustrations at work or in your family or things like that. And that just seems to be a spot that you can kind of release that tension and, and go and work out. And so we said, why not open up a fitness center to allow people to come in, you know, we'll help them get healthy, we'll help them work on their fitness, Uh, but ultimately to build relationships that we can get to know them and hear about their family, hear about their struggles, uh, and then get to share Jesus with them. And I think one thing that can be difficult, you know, even thinking about the mission field, you know, I feel like, you know, you mentioned it, that for us to do missions, it's that we've got to Pack up. We've got to go overseas. We've got to go with a mission sending agency. We've got to go through all of those steps, and we almost have this polarizing of the sacred and the secular, um, where you know I really believe that you know you can use um, the giftings and the talents and even those business side of you or whatever that might be industry on the mission field right. yeah. to to make disciples. And so for us, you know God's given us a unique platform to uh, have a fitness center. Uh, that was heavily backed by members of our church. Uh, we said, we're going to run this like a ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, We're going to run this in such a way where we want it to be, um, kind of our big motto is we want it to be a life-giving fitness community. Mm-hmm. And we know that that life-giving aspect is the message of the gospel, mm-hmm. the good news of Jesus. And yeah. so even out of our fitness center, um, you know, we're doing a men's Bible study. Uh, We do community outreaches during uh, quarantine, during the beginning of COVID. Um, We were a spot that we would do grocery giveaways for the community directly behind the gym, which is a very low socioeconomic community. Um, We established a blessing box uh, for our... uh, We established a, a blessing box for... Um, The community where, you know, our members would come and put in food and then that next day would all be gone. Uh, But it was really neat to give opportunities for our members to even serve their community, even if they're not believers. And then it allows us opportunities for us to say, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Um, You know, our gym is strategic right next to our county jail. And right before everything happened with COVID, uh, we... We began to have a uh, jail outreach where we would uh, go on Mondays to the jail. We would do about a 10 to 15 minute uh, fitness session, if you want to call it that, and then a little workout class. And then we would follow it up with a Bible study. And uh, it was absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, And we even began to think through kind of this boutique fitness model, which is, um, kind of this small scale, you know, we're not a big box gym. We're not like a mega gym or a planet fitness or anything like that. We're really small. We're class, class driven. So our classes are eight to 10 people. You know, we're going to have a membership of 75 to 100 people, not necessarily five or 600. But it's more of an intimate setting where you're getting to know each of those yeah. members. Um, and so we really began to pray through, is it an opportunity for us to even look at using this similar um, fitness model? Um, on the mission field, yeah. you know, and and leveraging this fitness uh, model as a platform to give people opportunities to build relationships for the purpose of discipleship yeah. and evangelism, uh, you know, especially in closed countries yeah. um, or on the reservation, you know, people are are you know I think are culture at large our global culture is kind of becoming more holistic Mm -hmm. um and so if we can kind of jump in on that trend and and kind of help them get fit but ultimately lead them to jesus um, that's what we want to do and so it's been really really cool to to kind of get to to play around with this and figure out the business side but ultimately use um our fitness center Tribe fitness to um to make disciples yeah that's great yeah And,
0: and i think that speaks to the heart of the gospel like you said you know, oftentimes we try to divide and separate secular things from from Christian things, and it's like, well, we can do missions when it's in a church context, or we can do missions when it's in a, you know, a, a what would be a stereotypical like Jesus moment, you know, those kind of things. Um, but if, if Jesus is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. It should impact the way we do everything, right? And it should be the thrust behind everything that we do. And so whether we start a business or we're raising a family, we're involved in our community or we're leading an organization, the fact that we know Jesus and in our heart is to reach people with the gospel should be evident in all things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's unique because, again, I agree with you. I think we, we oftentimes try to separate those two out and we're missing this whole huge block of opportunity to reach people. Yeah. We don't get when we clock out at five o'clock in the evening. If that's you know the world that we live in, the mission field it doesn't stop and start at the same time. It should be twenty four hours a day. Our yeah. heart is to make disciples and yeah. to reach people for Jesus. And I think that's unique. And I think it's a unique way you created it. It was like okay, I see this little uh, niche I can fit in here, and, yeah. and it's something I, I know a little bit about, and I can use uh, for for God's glory. Mm-hmm. And I've even met people who who are part of your gym who yeah. who not only are getting obviously healthy. Uh, physically, but are growing in their faith and, and by being involved, and you're able to connect them with local yeah. churches as well, yeah. and that's that's really really cool. Just a disclaimer for our listeners: we are at a active youth camp right now, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we are tucked in a corner in one of the cabins. And so, if you happen to hear some background noise of a of a what is it, air hockey, tail, ping pong, maybe Pool. a kid, a kid wrestling outside, um, we are during free time at our camp. So <laughs> you'll just have to give us some grace on that. Um, But a couple more questions. We can go quick through these last few just to to kind of wrap it up here. Um, Just mention some of the ways that God has used you here in Arizona. We know that this podcast is bigger than Arizona or Mm. my podcast. There I am promote my own podcast is big. We got like (laughs) 12 followers. (laughs) (laughs) But we know that the gospel... Uh, that the mission uh, of, the, of God is greater, bigger than Arizona. But this is this is Arizona where we are, that's where we, we mm-hmm. serve. And so tell me some of the ways that God has used you. It may be just one of the ones that is just like, man, this really is something that I love. And yeah. if I had to pick one, I'd keep coming back to this
1: one. Yeah, so, um, oh, man, there's so many. So Arizona, I'm trying to think of, We I know we have worked through bringing students uh, to, our, um, to the reservation, and we started bringing students, uh, our high school students, back in 2014. So we have been bringing students for, I guess, six years. This would be the, the first year. I don't think we've had a student team come, um, obviously, with everything that's been going on. Um, it's just really uh, put a halt on any of that. Um, I've come with our college team, I have uh, come kind of interning role for uh, one week when they were in dire need. Um, our college pastor uh, doesn't understand numbers, and so when he <laughs> hears 25 people, uh, he brings 45 people. Uh, and so to bring 45 people uh, in was difficult, and so um, Eric and Brittany asked me to come in and kind of help um, lead a little bit of those college teams going out. They went out to multiple villages that week. So I got to do that. Um, Also got to um, get to be a camp pastor. And I think this is the, is this the fourth year? I
0: think it's at least the third or fourth year. Yeah, and
1: so this has been absolutely um, uh, amazing. Uh, for me to do that. And then I'm also serving on um, Eric's advisory council for his, uh, his demon. And um, you know, obviously we will call him doctor soon Mm -hmm. and you must call him doctor, Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Gibbs. And so uh, getting to do that, getting to see one thing that was really neat about that, we would meet about monthly, right? Mm -hmm. For six months or so. Uh, maybe it was a year. I can't remember how long. It was a year. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so if you're like actually one of his professors, we did meet a year. It wasn't mm-hmm, just six months. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I got to see other people that were directly involved with your ministry that I don't necessarily serve with, mm-hmm. uh, and that was just really really cool. And then another thing that I've got, I've had the opportunity to do two or three times, uh, is to come at Christmas uh, for Christmas oh, yeah, in the villages. Yeah. Um, and you know, kind of the, what which one would I like leave if I had to drop all the other ones. I really don't know. Um, I think personally, I would probably uh, keep the camp pastor gig. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here's why. Uh, one, it is a, a unique blend of, you know, we've had the opportunity to serve in Phoenix, and we've had an opportunity, obviously, to serve on the reservation. And in this week of camp, you get both. You get mm-hmm. the students that you serve with in both contexts. Uh, And that's absolutely amazing. Um, You know, I tell people when they are asking about the camp, like there's only only God can orchestrate a camp like this uh, with such unique cultural backgrounds. You know, I was just thinking about the camp this year. Um, We have African students, we have Native students. The worship pastor uh, is from India. We have a college leader that is from Nigeria, and I'm trying to think if I'm. uh, We have two. Uh, Hispanic students as well uh, from Phoenix and then we've got a a bunch of white people running around as well and so uh, it is by far one of the coolest camps I've ever been a part of all the nationalities so many different languages that are spoken here Uh, and so it would be really hard to to miss out on what God is doing um, in this week and actually the the worship pastor Uh, Last night during our debrief, made an amazing uh, comment. You know, talked about, you know, with all the chaos going around us, um, you know, back in around the birth of Jesus, there was a mass pandemonium happening. And the wise men and the people were looking for an answer and they were looking at Herod's palace, but really God was doing something mighty uh, in a stable far off in a a small village. Uh, You know, and I think culturally, oftentimes we're looking to washington we're looking at these places to see you know is god moving or how can we be thinking about this and kind of thinking about big picture um from those large scales but i, I see god moving in such a mighty way here amongst a people group that oftentimes are forgotten about mm-hmm. by our culture at large and so um it's absolutely amazing yeah. um and so yeah this is it's it's by far one of the highlights of my year
0: yeah i, I love it and And we have so many people that work to make it happen, you know, just listening. If you're listening, it's it's a whole lot bigger than Nick and I sitting in a room Hmm. talking about it. Uh, There's a church in Mayfield, Kentucky, First Baptist Church. Mayfield, Kentucky gets behind this every year. Um, And they bring, they fund it. They bring the people um, and provide the resources. They have a heart for it. Um, It speaks to churches buying into the mission Mm -hmm. of God here in Arizona. Um, and the impact that it's having. You know, We have students who have come to Christ this week mm-hmm. um, that are from, from different places on the reservation that are also from different places in Phoenix that originated from different places in the world. Mm-hmm. And so what goes on here this week literally has the opportunity to impact the, the, the world, mm-hmm. the, the global landscape uh, of, of Christianity yeah. and yeah. Uh, the gospel going forth. And so yeah. it's awesome. And I really appreciate you coming and being a part of it. Um, and so just last question, and we'll close out. So other than hanging out with me, why do you why do you keep coming back to Arizona? Why hasn't it been a one and done? You know, because so many times people go on a mission trip and it's like, you know what, that was great, and they'll they'll talk about it, and it'll be found It may even be shaping in their life, but that'd be the only time that they really connect with it. Why is it something that you can and you've kind of spoken to it a little bit, yeah. but maybe develop that a little bit as we close,
1: kind of hmm. why you keep coming back? Why do I keep coming back? I think for me, um, and this is not. Uh, to boost you up and make your head bigger than it already is. Um, but I do think for me, um, I'm passionate about Arizona because I see the way God is using uh, you and your family and Julia. Mm. Um, you know, I think, you know, you can look at other places, you can see other ministries around the world, but to see what God is doing here from 2012 when I first experienced it now to 2028 years later, God is moving in a mighty way. And uh, it, for me, it's just exciting to get behind. Uh, it's exciting to partner with you and to have a small, small um, part uh, in what God is doing in Arizona and then just getting to assist you and Brittany and Julia uh, in the ministry here. And uh, and I think past that, you know, it's just... The relationship in eight years you know we were talking to a student this morning actually and you were saying that you know telling this this uh, female student that you've known her for 10 years Mm -hmm. you know she might be the longest running student that you know and then I started thinking but I was like I met her you know in 2012 2013 and so in some sense I've been able to see her you know grow and mature Mm -hmm. over the last six to eight years as well and so um, for me there's just a there's just such a, a commitment and an investment here that um, I just couldn't think of not right. coming to Arizona. Right. You know, I think if God called us away from ministry, um, you know, full time ministry, and took me into another profession, I still believe that there would be a. You know, I would do everything I could to be here once or twice a year yeah. to see what God is doing, to connect with you all, to connect with um, the the people that we've got to to know so dearly and love so dearly um, over the last eight years, and so. Um, it's all about the people, and I do believe that Arizona is by far one of the most beautiful places in the yeah. world. Um, it's not just desert, and it is desert, and the desert's awesome. So, uh, for me, it's just it's a it's it's awesome. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Um, we'll continue to come back as long yeah. as I can. So, yeah, when you have that
0: relational buy-in, it's more than just a trip. Mm-hmm. Um, you 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 are invested in it, and not, I don't I don't mean anything about finances. I just mean your heart. You're invested mm-hmm. in it. Your, your family's invested in it, it's, it's played a, yeah. a vital role. And, and that's, a, I hope, an encouragement to anybody who's listening. When you go on a mission trip, realize you may be committing to something mm-hmm. that's more than just that one week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more than just going and taking pictures. It's yeah. more than just sharing the stories. Yeah. God is going to allow you to connect with people and with cultures and communities that will shape you mold you grow you stretch you because it's not an easy and we didn't get into this but arizona's not an easy mission field the the places that you've been and we serve but nonetheless god has used it in your life and now there's almost like a just a relational bond there that's like this is part of who i am part of my identity now and and i see that in you you know it's it's nothing it's not not out of the ordinary to have you here you know Mm -hmm. it's not like oh nick's coming we got to do all nick knows about our ministry he's coming here uh, and and he could come here and function even if I took a week off he could come in and, and run with it because that's how how bought in he is and I think that's an encouragement to other ministries and, and churches who, who are listening and I don't necessarily even mean buying into uh, to us and our mission just the missions that they're involved in don't let it be a one and done yeah. if you're going to commit to make the name of Jesus known commit long term yeah commit your your people your resources your effort and it will become to be a part of your identity mm-hmm. as you serve as a church, and it will shape you.
1: Yeah, and I think you you know you share this with teams, but you know you always say when we're out and you know we're meeting new faces and we're meeting you know hearing names and um, hearing stories, things like that. You know, you always share that you're, you're now responsible for what you've seen and what you've heard, mm-hmm. and. Uh, So I think in some sense, I think we do ourselves an injustice when, like you said, we think a mission trip is a one and done, Mm -hmm. you know? And I also think part of that roots back to, um, is the mission trip for me and my experience, or is it for the glory of God um, and the building of His kingdom? And so for me, it's that I have a responsibility now to what I've seen and what I've heard, um, because most of our world does not know of um, the people on these reservations um, or the, um, the students that we minister to in Phoenix, Mm -hmm. but I do. And so I have a, just a commitment, um, to continue to come here love them, share Jesus with them and see lives changed as you guys are doing that full time. That's
0: awesome.
1: Well, thank you for sitting down with me. Absolutely. It's it's awesome. It's been fun to hang out with you this week.
0: We're at our last day of camp. And so kind of wrapping things up here. And so I appreciate your heart, appreciate, uh, your continued involvement in the mission here. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed who are listening. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it uh, creates in you a deeper desire to serve God and serve others, to be involved in the mission field. But that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Live Love Ministries podcast. We hope it was encouraging, made you think, and broaden your understanding of our mission and the mission of making disciples of all nations. You can find out more information about our ministry at www.liveloveministries.org. If God leads you to partner with us financially through prayer, or if you're interested in bringing a mission team to Arizona or one of our other locations, you can find that information on our website as well. Until next time, keep loving people. And keep pointing people to Jesus. And we'll see you then.